Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. And welcome to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, your host. Today, we're going to be talking to Joyce Rupp, the author of Open the Door, A Journey to Your True Self, and of course, several other books. This topic of our discussion today is, 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 goes right along with our theme. Joyce is well known for her work as a writer, a spiritual midwife, and retreat and conference speaker. She has led retreats throughout North America as well as in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. With a master's degree in transpersonal psychology, Joyce is a member of the Servites, a Servants of Mary community, the mission of which is to manifest compassion in the spirit of Mary, the mother of Jesus and she volunteers with hospice. She's authored 18 books, including such titles as Prayer, and May I Have This Dance, a book about the dance of life, and Fresh Bread and Other Gifts of Spiritual Nourishment. Joyce offers us a true example of walking, talking spirituality. A quote from her latest book, Open the Door, tells us her basic philosophy. When we open the door and go inside, God is there in the temple of our soul, in the ashram of our heart, in the cathedral of our being which is not to dismiss the reality of this same loving presence being fully alive in our external world. The Holy One is with us in all of life. Our purpose for opening the door inward is to help us to know and claim who we are so we can more completely join with God in expressing this love in every part of our external world. You can learn more about Joyce, her work, and her books at www.joycerupp.com. That's J-O-Y-C-E-R-U-P-P. Joyce, welcome so much to our show today. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Andrea. Happy to be able to talk with you. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So let's just get started. All right. Uh, how about if we talk just a little bit about if, if you can help us distinguish between the true self and something that's other than the true self? Oh, good question. <laughs> uh, you know, when I think about the true self, well, I think of authenticity, of course, and uh I think that we find that by going within ourselves, by reflection, journaling, and so forth, and then comparing it to how we are living out our life. But basically, you know, I always go back to the word goodness. I, I think our true self is about our our real goodness, and sometimes I, I interchange that word, our goodness or our godness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's You know, we have so much goodness within us, and that, that really is our true self, but it's it sure gets covered up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yep. that that's really what I think of as a true self. And I first got that phrase, true self, from Thomas Merton, who really is my spiritual mentor in a lot of ways. Um, I think that he was just such an authentic human being and and gave so many wonderful reflections on how to discover that deeper part of ourself, you know, the the place the place where we're real, I guess is how I would put it. Or another way I've looked at I've thought so much about soul in recent years and people use that word soul in a lot of different ways, but it really is, you know, Rumi talks about our having the, the you know, Jalaluddin Rumi talks about our soul space as a magnificent cathedral, you know, the inner self. 
and St. Teresa of Avila compared it, you know, as a castle. Um, but I, I think our true self is, you know, it's a uh, certainly in, in an ethereal realm. We can't we can't see it, but I think we see evidence of it in the way that we live our life. You know, whether we're transparent and real or or a little faky. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we can sort of uh, know it in some way by how we feel about it when we're mm-hmm. doing our life, when we're thinking our thoughts and, mm-hmm. you know, going through the routines of our everydays. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learn a lot about my, my true self and my journaling. Um, it, it's quite amazing as I'm writing sometimes. I'm, you know, so surprised at what comes out of that pen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, it, it, you know, it's sort of like, I don't lie to myself when I'm journaling, I, I, and and I'm always astounded at what comes, you know, really positive, wonderful kinds of things, insights, but also, you know, some of my illusions, my ego stuff, the things I don't want to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, another way I've really learned a lot about my true self is feedback from other people, whether I've wanted it or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that also has, has helped me greatly. Yeah, they can actually mirror us in the both negative, the shadow aspects of ourselves and the positive, more true aspects of ourselves by, you know, sort of living in ways that uh, um, tell us who we are. When we get upset about them, they can Mm -hmm. sort of say, well, now why am I upset? And it helps us to kind of look at our own shadow material as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also just having a peer group a peer, uh, or, or people that will just be willing to say, yeah, here's what I see you doing. Do you notice that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. And, and you know, the positive part of that, like I remember back many years ago when I, I first got into working more directly with spiritual growth with individuals and, you know, how someone from my community actually called me and said, you know, I think that you would really be good at giving retreats and spiritual conferences. And I just remember I, I never had thought of myself doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and it was that call to that part of myself that I hadn't activated. And now, I mean, I just, I absolutely love what I do. And and that's such a big part of it. But I thought, you know, if if Eleanor hadn't invited me to that, I don't know if I ever would have really believed in that or mm, surely might have taken much longer for me to, you know, to access that. And the same thing's true of my writing. You know, I I never really believed that I had within me the capability, you know, that part of myself to... What, I didn't believe in what I was bringing forth was worth sharing with other people, I guess I'd put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, it was someone who said to me, you know, I kept putting off writing and saying, with excuses saying, oh, you know, I, I, I can't write. I'm much too busy, you know. <laughs> but the truth was I was afraid to put something out there. And she just said to me one day, you know, I'd be glad to type up anything you have if you don't have time to do it. <laughs> wow. And that, that was just, that was really the turning point for me. I thought, I guess I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened for me with um, being a spiritual guide and, I, I was trained to do that, but I kept sending people off to somebody else I thought would, could do it much better. And finally, I, I sent uh, a man who had come to me. I sent him to off to Creighton University to one of the Jesuits. And fortunately, the Jesuits sent the man back to me and said, you have someone right there who can do, do this just fine for you. Wow, how cool. <laughs> yeah, and so all of those things, I mean, I... It's almost like an, it's not a, I don't want to say equal, but I've, it's certainly been from both realms, both the inner and the outer for me, that I've learned about more about my true self and the potential that's there and, 
and uh, and the goodness that that is within me. So. Yeah. So so what you're saying is these people saw it first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they brought it into your awareness. Yeah, yeah. And and are, are there other ways that you'd be willing to share with us? I'm certain that you've got a private life just like everyone does, and I don't <laughs> want to, uh, you know, expose that on the radio. But I do would like to know if you would be willing to share it. What brought you to an awareness of your true self? Oh, you know, um, my midlife journey was really difficult mm-hmm. for me, um, and I just had a lot of confusion about where I was going and what I believed and what I didn't believe. It's all the typical midlife stuff. We start questioning everything. And uh, I went, I spent two years at Naropa Institute, the Buddhist University out in Boulder, and I studied transpersonal psychology. And that was really the time where I, I think I gathered up the past and I looked at everything. I pulled it all out and I did a lot of reflection and questioning and found a union therapist and it was it was just a wonderful wonderful two years for me and painful at times but but really great and out of that you know I wrote my book Dear Heart Come Home which is on midlife spirituality but I didn't intend to write a book when I started out doing that it was really just my own journey and then when I look back and I thought you know I think I can bring this together and share it with others, but I was really kind of scared to do that. I remember I said to a friend when the book came out, I said, I feel like putting a paper bag over my head because it was so much about really who I was and was like kind of, I'm, I'm quite a private person actually, and to talk about that journey of questioning, you know, who is this God and and do I really want the life that I have? Do I want to you know, move away from that, and how do I want to do my life, and has my life been of value and worth, and, you know, all those questions that arise from deep within, and just, you know, looking at some of the the haziness, the darkness, the threshold stuff that's there, you know, just kind of the uncertainty, and I came out of those two years, I just felt so much new strength, and encouragement to really live a deep contemplative life. You know, up until that time, I was pretty caught up in, you know, being out there and speaking, and I think the ego was at work a lot and, you know, wanted to be successful, and just all of that changed for me during those years. And I thought, you know, what's really of value to me is the, I have this vision of spiritual transformation, and I, I not only yearn for it for myself, but I really want it for other people, and I want it for our world. I, I'm really on the path now, I think, of looking at world transformation, you know, mm-hmm. um, beyond my own t- transformation. And So those those years at, at Naropa were really um, they were very profound for me in, in the movement toward the true self. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. With, with this whole question about who is this God, that's what you said. Uh, who is this God? And that's an interesting way of putting it. it wasn't who is God, but who mm-hmm. is this God? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wonder about that and what that means because I really do believe our journey to authenticity has to do with who is my God. Mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. does that mean to me personally? Mm-hmm. So, would you share a little bit about who is this God? And I don't mean a definition of your particular God, but really yeah. that journey to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um... Well, I think that whole question of who is this God is is kind of like quotes around the word God and how 
you know, God has been presented to us and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, I think the journey for my, I can, I, don't know, I can speak for myself, but also others that I've journeyed with, I think that discovering the who is my God, who is this divinity, this, this divine presence, you know, it, it's a constant journey of discovery, and I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they think, I'm just going to get it one day and I've got it forever. And, you know, and I, I think that God is a mystery. I think that the Holy One is, is, is deep and uh, it's wonderful, mysterious. I mean, there's so much to it. So, so my whole understanding and relationship to this divinity continues to grow and change and deepen and and I think that's quite exciting really Mm -hmm. absolutely it is Mm -hmm. okay well we're going to explore that some more after the break this is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living I'm your host we're sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology we'll be back in just a moment Be Extraordinary 7th Wave Network Create a life with growth, balance, abundant peace of mind, and joy. Tune in and call into Spirits Evolving with pragmatic psychic and certified hypnotherapist, Lee Channing. By using the simple tools for growth offered by Lee, including intuition, color awareness, creative visualization, and more, build a stronger understanding of your own energy and offer clear, unencumbered energy to those with whom you share your life. Whether for an individual or a business, home environment, or your office, Lee evaluates and interacts with the energy at hand, providing an analysis of the problem and a description of the options available to move forward successfully and with grace. Spirits Evolving with Lee Channing broadcast each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the 7th Wave Network, your online community for positive change. Spirits Evolving, your guide toward a life filled with more balance, intention, and contentment. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance to expect guidance, to trust, and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Your online community for positive change. 7th Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. With Authentic Living, this is Andrea Matthews, your host, and we're talking today with Joyce Rupp. Joyce, just before the break, you were talking a little bit about how um, the divine journey had started with sort of uh, the God in quotes and how you've evolved to know that better and better. Um, Did you want to say anything more about that before we move on? Yeah, I would like to say just maybe one other thing about that. I, you know, when I kind of when I got a sense of kind of this this journey that I'm, I'm moving along with continual discovery of who this divine presence is. You know, I took a look at the, the journey in the, in the Hebrew scriptures where, you know, they went through the Exodus journey and it was, the, you know, the, the movement out of slavery and through the wilderness and into the promised land and all the detours they took and all the time it mm-hmm. took to do that and in their grumbling and, and their, you know, discoveries and all of that. And, and then when I wrote Open the Door, I started thinking about that whole thing of standing on the threshold when we go over the door, you know, that that little pathway before you're, you're not in the door, you're not on the other side, you're not on this side anymore. And I, I think that we just, I know for myself, I keep going through thresholds, like I'll discover, I remember when I discovered the feminine aspect of the divine, and like that was such a revelation to me. And now with quantum physics, you know, I'm thinking more and more again about, so who is this divine presence for me, you know, this expanding universe that we have, and and how is the Holy One involved in all of this? And so, you know, I think it just, it, I think I keep taking a little exodus journey in my relationship with God. And and that, I, I in the past, I probably would have found that a little distressful because I didn't have all the answers, I didn't have it down pat, and now it's, I find it it's quite exciting for me and and uh, I just look forward to what what is yet to be revealed and and while I'm doing that I I'm very faithful to daily reflection and you know I believe very firmly in my own relationship with this loving presence so it's you know it's it's just a it's been a, a great journey for me well, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I think that what one of the things that I've discovered over the years when I've talked, and not only over the years, but in, in talking to folks on the radio as well, is that this mystery, this mystery that almost could be another name for God, that is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is it's sort of a leaning into uncertainty instead of leaning away from it. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. That we don't have to be you know, that that idea that we have to know is sort of the stanchion of the of the world we've built. We mm-hmm. we sort of say, I know I've got to know mm-hmm. so we build up mythologies that aren't necessarily knowing but keep us feeling safe. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. when we go through some kind of a crisis that we have to pull down those things and kind of examine them and go, Well, okay, what is this? What is mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And I know you talked about that in your book, Befriend the Darkness and Welcome to Light. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to I want to talk a little bit about what what is that darkness and how important is darkness to the journey? Yeah, you know, well, I I wrote 
it's just a tiny little book. It's called Little Pieces of Light, and I hadn't intended to write that, but when I was out in, in Boulder studying transpersonal psych, uh, I was invited to just contribute a book to this series, and and I was in the middle of my darkness at that time, so it was like kind of a perfect sort of theme for me. And you know what? I, I, when I wrote that book, I, I did it all around the journey of the butterfly, you know, from the caterpillar to the chrysalis to the butterfly. And I, it was so clear to me that how can we get from one stage to another without going through that in-between stage of the chrysalis where it's that waiting time, it's that liminality, the darkness, the unknown. And that's a stage that most of us really fight. You know, we we don't want that. We want things clear, either the way they were before or the way they're going to be, but we don't want to be in that in-between stage, and and I never wanted to be. And once I saw that, I I love image and metaphor, and once I got that metaphor of the, you know, caterpillar, chrysalis, butterfly, I thought, well, why not? Why not the human journey as well? Why not all journeys? And and now I just see that so clearly. And when Macrina Whitaker and I wrote, you know, The Circle of Life, we did it around the four seasons. And it was the same pattern again, winter. You know, we looked at winter. And, you know, living in the Midwest, we have pretty strong delineations in the seasons. And I, I saw how, you know, especially autumn and winter, how vital they are for the transformation of the earth. And so, again, I thought, why not the transformation of of my life, and so I actually welcome the darkness, you know, as our planet, as we change the seasons now, and I I actually, I look forward to the winter darkness, because I find it, it's almost like a womb time, you know, it's a gestating time, and I I like it, I never used to, but I do now, and so I've, I've really changed on that, and, and you know, that tiny little book, I just not long ago I had someone again write to me and say, you know, I've read that book so many times, it's just changed my life because I've had so much trouble with depression and, you know, it just, so I, and I think a lot of people do, it might not be clinical depression, but I think people just with their discouragements and the down times of life and those are really gestating times for us if we approach them in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you think, now this is just a theory here, but I'm sort of playing with it, the idea that, you know, maybe this whole thing of economic crisis we're going through right now in the United States and really all over the world is is one of those gestating periods? Mm-hmm. Oh, I do. You know, and I think it, with a lot of the what's happening with some of the mainline religions, too, I, I think that... I I just think we we need to go through that. It's like a clearing space. It's a letting go space, and nobody wants it. It's it's an insecure time. It's a stripping away. It's 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 difficult, but I really do believe that new newness comes out of that. New life comes out of it. And yeah, you know, I'm I'd be real careful because I don't want to be glib about the financial crisis. But I think approached in the right way, I think it can really help people with their spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. I think it can get them to take a look at, you know, the question: of Who do I value more than what do I value? And how am I doing my life? And where is my focus then? And do I really want to spend as much? time and energy as I have in in getting things or do I want to put that into relationship kind of things and what what really counts in the end, you know, what is most vital. Yeah, so that's that's where I come from on that anyway. And Mm -hmm. uh, 
So that's, it's a really good question you have, and we could probably spend the whole time talking about yeah, that. Yeah, if I just knew more about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the economy is not necessarily my forte, but I do think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a therapist, yeah. I deal with crisis all the time, and I mm-hmm. certainly see this as one of those in a collective kind of way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do do believe that. I write a little blurb on my website, and the last one I wrote about um, the economic crisis from a spiritual vantage point, and I talked about in my neighborhood, there's an apartment complex not far from me where we have, uh, it's mostly immigrants, and I'm always a little envious when I walk pa- drive past there because so many times the different generations, they're out there um, socializing together. There'll be teenagers playing with, like, young children. There'll be grandmothers with their little scarves on, and they'll be holding children or talking to younger married people. And they they really have a sense of community, you know. And, and then I go back to my neighborhood, which is only a block or so away, and everyone's in their own houses. No one's out there talking to one another, you know. And, and I thought, well, maybe through this you know, crisis in the economy, maybe it's going to get us to, you know, be a little more relational rather than so private with our lives. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just a question I have. Mm -hmm. Good one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for sure the one thing that I can see already is that we definitely are much more involved in what's going on, and we do want to have more of a say-so than than I can remember in my life, which is half a century. So, <laughs> You know what? I think the, the two words that come to me are waking up. I think that mm-hmm. there are times in our lives that they wake us up, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, um, it, it alerts us again. Just what you said, you know, people paying more attention, mm-hmm. you know, not just kind of going through the days, but yeah, we're more alert. <laughs> yeah, tuning in to what's going on inside as well as what's mm-hmm. going on outside. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So in the open door, you blend Eastern and Western insight and mm-hmm. wisdom. So why do you think it's important that we take in both sides of that coin today? The Western and the Eastern? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, because I, I just think in our Western world we're, we're doing people, and I think the Eastern are being people, and we, read, we need both of that. We need mm-hmm. the being and the doing part of it. You know, I've stopped using the word busy. I just don't, I try not to have it in my repertoire anymore of words. And I use the word full instead because I think it has much more of a positive connotation Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a possibility for abundance here and so forth. But I just find for my own life, I can be so busy that, you know, I'll get up in the morning and think, oh, you know, I don't have time for my meditation. I don't have time to journal. I just got to get going right away in my office or I have to get on that plane or whatever it is. And, I can just get in a pattern quickly of just being, you know, so productive and active. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I don't want it to possess my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I I do believe that we're rewarded constantly in the Western culture for how how busy we are and how active and, you know, how you just got to cram everything in. And so when when people draw back and they say, you know, I, 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 I hear this with my retired friends all the time, they'll say, you know, people won't let me be retired. The first thing they say is, what are you going to do after you retire? Mm-hmm. And and so it's the whole focus is on active, active, active. And I just think we need that Eastern part, that being part of us. I don't think we're going to really find the true self without the being dimension of it. And that's the, the being part of it is when we go for a walk or we journal or we stop to reflect or 
actually get in a habit of, you know, just doing some deeper thinking when we're taking a shower, whatever it is, we've got to have being time. Mm-hmm. And so so that that's why I think both of those aspects are really vital. Yeah, I you know, when I'm in my work with clients, I so often encourage them to sort of take just a moment any time they can think of it during the day to just sort of go look around the room where they are and look at the colors and smell the smells and just really be in that moment. And that is such a difficult assignment. It is. Isn't it astounding? But it is. Yeah. Yeah. I find that on the the conference workshops and retreats that I do, if I give the group a half an hour of quiet, I have to be so emphatic about, please don't use your cell phones, please don't talk to anyone. 30 minutes is excruciating for some people to mm-hmm. be quiet for that whole time. They don't know what to do with themselves. It's mm-hmm. like, and so I, I, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll take them through a guided meditation or I'll do some breathing experiences, exercises with them, you know, um, because we're just not oriented toward that. Mm-hmm. But it is surprising, isn't it, that just even a little space of time, the, the discomfort that can be there for some. Absolutely, and it, it brings back that leaning into the mystery again because that, I think, is is part of that emptiness. And that being an Eastern part, too, is uh, mm-hmm. our belief, too, is that the emptiness is, is where we find the what you call the holy site, which I want to talk some more about. But mm-hmm. um, that place where we go and there's sort of a nothingness where there's everything, and that... Mm-hmm. It's really hard for us to fathom that we could, Mm -hmm. in this Western culture, that we could actually find a place of emptiness that would be utterly full. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the image that comes to me right away is I I love to walk, and I do go for walks, pretty long walks every day. You know, it's kind of like coming to a a wooded area that's full of brush and everything. And, you know, if if you make a clearing in there, if you really empty it all out, and you can sit in that clearing, it's amazing how much you can discover about silence and about everything that's present there, you know. Mm-hmm. But you're sitting in an empty space, so to speak. You know? right. And and I think that's the emptiness with, within us. It's it's empty, but it's not empty. You know, it's, 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 it's that space that allows us what you were saying earlier about being alert and being awake and so much we can discover so much when we're really awake can't we mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what a beautiful analogy that's a great one i'm gonna i'm gonna use that one again <laughs> <laughs> oh you're free to use it <laughs> i love metaphor and image and symbol yeah, yeah, yeah. me too okay well this is authentic living with andrea matthews we'll be back after the break Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, 
Holistic Ministries, Parapsychic Science, and Holistic Theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? Should I stay where I am and wait for you? Or go to Grandma's house since it's closer? Shouldn't we pick a place to meet? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? How do we keep in touch with each other if the phones don't work? Should I be worried how we all get home? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, your host. This show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. And today we're talking to Joyce Rupp about her book, Open the Door. And Joyce, I wanted to talk a little bit, too, about that holy site. I want to get back to that. that what you define uh, or describe that in the open door. Talk to me just a little bit about what you mean when you say a holy site within us. Um, well... You know, the holy side, I, I have to back up and just say, you know, when I was much younger, when I was in my early 20s, I had my life all in little compartments, you know, first of all, and I thought that, you know, my prayer life was over here, and then my ministry life was here, and then my social life was here, and I can still see the place I was sitting at a little fountain up in St. Paul, Minnesota at a conference, and all of a sudden, I just realized how I had put everything, I mean, all of it was together. It wasn't separate at all. So my first um, awareness of holy was that it en- it encompasses all of my life. It's not just church or it's not just my own meditation time, but it's it's all of my life is holy. All of my life is sacred. It depends on how I look at it, how I approach it. Um, but I also think of holy as as that that inner part of us that is is filled with goodness and godness. And I think 
you know, many religions, Western religions, have have emphasized so much that we have we have bad in us, you know, that that we don't have this marvelous I mean, this marvelous core of who we are is totally good. And that's not to say that we don't we don't do um in bad things or we don't you know, that kind of thing. But I just so I think that holy is to be holy is to discover our true goodness and then to act on that true goodness as I live my life uh, in the external world. And there's just there's just a wealth of of holiness in each of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just believe that. And and so my holiness involves how my body is, how my spirit is, how my mind is, how my relationships are, how I go about doing my life, my work. Um, but it comes back to that deep place in me where I always say we're we're God and and I, when God and all of us are truly we're truly one. And I learned that from Jim Finley, who's a wonderful um, contemplative. And I was taking a course one time from him at Notre Dame, and I remember that moment, too. He asked us all just to take a quiet time. He said, go to that space deep inside of you where you and God are truly one. And, I mean, I had never thought about that place in me. Mm-hmm. And it was so easy to go to it. That was the other astounding thing. I mean, it just... You know, he did did a little breathing with us, and I sank right into that, and it is a wonderful place to be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's just, just great, and I thought, if only, you know, I can remember, and I do now remember that often, but also if I could help others to go to that place, I just think our world would change so much. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's beautiful that you call it a place, because I really do think it's a, it is a literal place place a state a, a way mm-hmm. of being that isn't mm-hmm. you know it, it's hard it's hard to describe it and that's it why i was trying to get you to that for me but, <laughs> but <laughs> it is difficult to describe it but it's not yeah. uh one of those that that you can miss when you find it you know that's right and i like what you said it is a state of being it's it's like once you're there you know it mm-hmm. you just know that it's there mm-hmm. and but it, it's 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 traveling there. It's kind of like knowing. It, not you, you hear about a city someplace, but until you really go there and you experience it, you don't really know it. Right. And I think the same thing. It's like when when we go to that place inside where we're truly one with the holy, we just know it. And from then on, we always recognize it when we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't forget it after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great way of putting it because that it's like once you've yeah. Once you've uh, felt that and compared it to the other feeling of of the ego or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call that, it's it's a real different place. You know something else I would say about that too, because I've had a number of people say this to me, is that you know when you talk about going to that place, they think it has to be like you know, you know, firecrackers and mm-hmm. you know, you know, the transfiguration on the mount or something. You know, it's got to be this huge. You got to feel all of this, and, and instead it's actually very, I think it's a very quiet experience of, for me it is anyway, of going to that place. It's like, you know, I don't always have like a jubilant feeling about it, but I have a knowing about it that's very satisfying, and I have a um, a peacefulness that's there, when no matter how, whatever's going on externally for me, when I visit that place, I, it grounds me again, and it grounds me in trust, it grounds me in confidence, it grounds me in strength, 
and then I think, yeah, it just sets my life kind of upright again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of tumbling down. It sets me upright again, I guess you'd say, maybe. But Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up that about the good and evil thing, too, because I almost think that we as a world in a, in a collective way have a what I would call a good-evil complex. We have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. divided everything in our world uh, along, into categories, and they're either good or bad. There's, mm-hmm. you know, or, or uh, very, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. gradations in between those mm-hmm. and I and I think that makes it much more difficult for us to conceive of holiness as wholeness it does you know I've been my focus right now really a lot is on compassion and you know the foundation of compassion is this oneness with all of life and how how I look at life you know it, it depends a lot on whether or not I am a compassionate being and and I just keep learning so much about non-judgment and about seeing at a deeper level. And I had a fabulous experience last summer. I was on a, traveling to Colorado by myself. I was driving, and I stopped at a rest area on the way. I wanted to get a map of Nebraska. And uh, I went in this this rest area, and I was looking all around. I couldn't find it in the little slots. And then I realized there was a man behind the counter, and I said to him, Oh, I said, do you have a map in Nebraska? And he was really surly with me, and he said, well, if you just look, it's right there on the desk, you know. And in that instant, I got my, I got irritated. I picked the map up. I walked out, and I thought, why do they have somebody like that as behind, you know, in a visitor center? And I was grumbling, and I got in the car, and I took my lunch out. I went to a little table, and I was eating it, and I began pondering this man, and I thought, I moved from my irritability to... I wonder I wonder what it's like to be this person and I you know maybe he's lost his job and or maybe he's a new widower or maybe he's got a lot of physical pain I mean there were so many things I thought that could have held led him to be that way and I thought well may, and maybe it's just his personality mm-hmm. but as I did that I lost all of my irritability and my anger with him mm-hmm. in fact I lost it so much that I went to get my water bottle filled, and I walked back in there, and I was filling it at the fountain, and I heard this voice behind me. It was him, and he said, it works better if you use the faucet over there. <laughs> and I, I just turned around, and I said, well, thanks a lot, you know. And, and as I walked out, I realized that I didn't have any of those nasty feelings about him that I had, you know, when I was in there before. Mm-hmm. But it was getting to that deeper level, and it was that's what I mean by opening up the door, because when I sat at that table eating my lunch, I just opened up the door to my deeper self, and I, I started reflecting on that, and it was wonderful. And then I brought it back out, you know, and I, I, I you know, I found love in there, and I found acceptance, and I found non-judgment, and that's what I focused on when I when I got back in my car and drove away, and I, it was just it was a great experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 just that small little instant has now become a lesson that you can use again and again for yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of things happen more and more, but it's it's it is that being alert to them because I could have just carried that grumbling with me all the way to Colorado and told my friends and grumbled some more, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, we certainly have experience with that, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's uh, it's so and so it's waking up. It was waking. Going back to what you were were asking and and talking about is, you know, that man's inner goodness. He wasn't a bad person. You know, mm-hmm. it was just the way that he came across to me. And and then I had to look deeper to see, you know, the goodness that was there instead of what was on the surface. So. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that going within that you're talking about there is the opening of the door, the the standing on the threshold, all of those things that, mm-hmm. that all refer to just a gentle sort of look within yourself that helps mm-hmm. you begin to mm-hmm. find out what's next. Right, and that key element is the openness. You know, you've got to open that door, have to have to take that step to to reflect or to go within or to ponder a bit or whatever, however it is that we, we move to the interior life. Okay. All right. Well, this is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. We'll be back in just a moment. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Fiction seeping into reality. Reality transfigured by fiction. A monument of wonders. Conspire with host and creator Roy Dean Doty as he shares readings, commentary, music, and interviews on the multimedia epic that'll change the way you think forever. A Monument of Wonders, a place where time is a honeycomb, where language spawns the fantastic, where consciousness is exploded, one inspired mind at a time. Escape the stricture of the soundbite film clip world. Enter a monument of wonders. Wonder is miracle. Wonder is life. Wonder is power. Fridays, 11 a.m. to noon Pacific Time on the 7th Wave. Are you in? Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back. This is Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're talking today with Joyce Rupp, author of Open the Door. Um, 
I wanted to ask you a little bit about your other book, Prayers to Sophia. In that book, you talked about the various definitions of God, and I just thought they were so amazingly beautiful, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that, seeing God as the midwife, mm-hmm. the singer in my soul, the quiet mystery, the maker of the morning, mm-hmm. dancer of creation. Can you talk some about those definitions real briefly? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, again, this is something I discovered. I think I was probably in my early 30s, and I was uh, with a group of my own community members, and one of the, the sisters that morning prayed to God of the morning, and I thought, hmm, I never thought about praying to God of the morning, you know, <laughs> just, you know, Jesus or the Spirit or whatever. Right. And that, again, that was a moment of great, uh, you know, kind of awakening for me, and I thought, you know, I can name this divinity in many, many different ways, and and I have loved doing that, and so how oftentimes my naming of divinity comes when I an experience that I've had of my relationship with God, and um, and then I just begin, you know, like a, I feel like God is singing a song in me, then it becomes the singer or the you know the dancer or you know whatever that might be. But I think it was in the late '80s when I, you know, I. I, well, it was probably mid-'80s. I read Rianne Eisler's book, Chalice and the Blade, and I became aware of, you know, this whole area of the feminine and 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 the Holy One as a midwife, you know. And that, that again, really opened a door for me to explore more aspects of who is this divine presence in my life. And so I have loved being able to you know, create many different names. In fact, I'd, I'd love, I keep saying sometime I'd love to do a 365-day book just on a different name and a little reflection on, on the Holy One for all those days. I think I could probably think up enough. <laughs> That's for fascinating. That's a, yeah, yeah. But it, it just it brings the relationship to life. And Sophia, you know, is the Greek name for wisdom. And uh, I've had so many people write. The, my first book on Sophia was A Star in My Heart. And I've had some, both men and women have have written to me or come up at conferences and said, oh, I feel like I found a friend when I read your book. You know, just being able to name God in a different way, in a way that's more feminine for me. And, you know, not that there is anything wrong with the masculine way. It's just it's been so predominant for people. And, and and also, you know, I think all the ways that we name divinity, they're all projections out of our humanness and mm-hmm. ways that we try to find to that will be helpful for us, you know, in our in our that relationship. So I I have really enjoyed uh, that that process. It's so natural to me now; I almost forget that I do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the midwife concept in particular, that sort of analogy to the birthing that happens when we wake up, is that... Right. Is that... Well, you know, I, in fact, the last workshop I, I just did one in Minnesota, gave one in Minnesota, and a, a woman who actually is a midwife came up to me and she said, I am so grateful to you for using the midwife as a, as a metaphor for our spiritual relationship with God. And how I started uh, thinking about that was for myself as a spiritual director, and I don't like the word director very well, but as a spiritual guide, and I thought, you know, a midwife is the one who encourages and coaxes and and is there and knowledgeable about how this birth can happen and what might go wrong, but can't do the birthing for the woman. Mm-hmm. And the same way with, with God for us, you know, God can coax us, encourage us, uh, help you know, give us all of these 
these helps. But we still, I mean, we have to choose ourselves to do that birthing. And so I, I feel that way, you know, God is my midwife, but also I feel that I am a midwife in my, um, in my work when I'm, I'm in the capacity of a spiritual guide with other people. And I really try to respect that, that relationship, that I'm not there to tell people what to do with their lives. And I also try that in my books. I try to invite much more than I do to tell people how I think they have to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think invitation is a is a much healthier style and approach. It, it certainly is for me anyway in my my spiritual growth. So I, I love that, that image of the midwife, and it's very exciting to meet someone who actually does midwifery. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. Okay, so so that whole process that we're talking about today is one of just opening... But it also involves pain. It also involves mm-hmm. darkness. It, it's not necessarily right. easy always to open that no, door, but not. sometimes it is. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And to accept all of that process, that it's all, it's all for our spiritual benefit if, if we can be open to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to get help to open that door. I would say that, too. You know, we can't always do it by ourselves. So. Absolutely. As you start, said in the beginning, sometimes other people's feedback is just mm-hmm. very important to that mm-hmm. process. Absolutely. Yeah, most certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you mentioned the idea about uh, a different name for God, 365 days of the year. Yeah. Are, uh, do you have particular projects? I know that you work with hospice. And I, I know that you're yeah. part of the Servites. Are there other projects that you're working on now? You know, the project I'm really, really excited about and I've given much of my time and energy to is uh, uh, Margaret Stratman and I are co-directing a program called an Institute of Compassionate Presence, and it's an eight-month program. Uh, We have participants meeting the second Friday of every month. It takes place at our Center of Compassion in in Omaha, Nebraska, and we have 40 participants this year. We said we wouldn't take more than 50, and I just love these people that are in this program. And we have all different aspects of compassion, compassion for self, compassion for others, compassion in loss and suffering, compassion within organizations, uh, you know, compassion with create, for creation. And, you know, I just believe firmly that compassion, we've got to bring compassion into our lives if we're going to save our world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is very exciting. I don't know if there's another institute like it in the country right now, but my hope is... We're getting it up and running this year, and I'd like to take it to other places, maybe adapt it into maybe like a five-day program rather than an eight-month one for people that can't, you know, can't be there for a once-a-month kind of thing. But uh, it's generated so much um, positive, um, loving energy among the participants we have right now. We're just going to be in our third session pretty soon. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm really gearing up for. Uh, writing, I'm I'm working with Joyce Hutchison on a second book with Joyce. We did the first one, May I Walk You Home, which was for caregivers of the very ill. And this next one is going to be on grief, on bereavement. Uh, I've walked you home, and now what? You know, kind oh, of thing. Yeah. So uh, she's uh, worked with hospice for years. She's a marvelous woman. I, most of what I know about hospice, I've learned from Joyce Hutchison, and so. Uh, Joyce does the stories, and then I do the reflections that go with the, the stories, little prayers that follow them. And so we'll hope that get that book out maybe next autumn. We're not sure, but that's that's mainly what I'm working on right now. So 
Okay. Well, yeah. you you do stay full, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that a better word than busy, yeah, though? That's what it means. I'm going to use that. And, yeah. and so uh, if somebody wanted to participate in the Institute of Compassionate, mm-hmm. what is it? Presence. In- Compassionate in- Presence. Okay. Everything's on my website. My schedule's always on my website. It's just JoyceRupp.com. And I always have a, a monthly little blurb I call Spiritual Zest, and a little few paragraphs of kind of what I'm thinking about at the time. And and then I post any new writings that I have. And there's quite a few of my articles and poetry that's on, on there. So it's been fun uh, having that website. It's been a great help. So mm-hmm. uh, just mm-hmm. for, you know, communication and helping, giving people some information, too. Right. So all all that somebody who's interested in and in participating in the institute mm-hmm. would have to do is go on your website and then sure, uh-huh. and they write can write to me through the website. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thanks for mentioning or thinking of that. Oh, you're welcome. I, you know, I think what you offer is is uh, sort of a model for all of us about compassion and and um, openness and the willingness to explore beyond necessary beyond a particular religion, say. Mm-hmm. But into more of who am I, mm-hmm. and as a result, who what who is this God? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I so and you know, and if, if I think if people can do that, then they they can bring that into a religion of their choice, mm-hmm. if that's the direction they want to go in. But if a person doesn't have that, then what do they bring into the religion? Is what my question is. You mm-hmm. know, so I think we just really have to have that foundation of the search and and the continual movement of discovering our authentic self, and then that can greatly enrich a person's relationship to a religion if that's, you know, where they're connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I think it does so much for, you know, family life and, you know, personal relationships and friendships, and I just, I read a while back, I read a wonderful quote, it was... um, a, a life without a vision is like a journey without a destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love that because I think that vision of spiritual transformation, that vision that we're always on the way, we're always we're, we're trying to get a balance between being and doing, and, you know, that's going to that's gonna move us toward our destination, toward that oneness with divine that I think is the, for me anyway, it's the goal of my life and, um, hopefully for others. Absolutely, absolutely. And that transition that we make from from the idea of religion, say, or or the good evil complex, as I put it, mm-hmm. to something more authentic and real within ourselves is sort of uh, like following a little light and just enough light to see the next step is all we need. So. Mm-hmm. 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 And you certainly have provided us with some light today, and I so appreciate you coming to talk with us, and, and I hope that our listeners have, have taken in what you said and are willing to go to your website and look, read your books and, um, and benefit, as have I, from talking to you. Oh, thank you, Andrea, and it's just been a real joy to, to speak with you today, so thanks a lot for inviting me. Oh, you're so welcome. And this is Andrea Matthews and Authentic Living. We'll be back next week, and just remember... Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.